Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Laura is the reason that Mary goes blind. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. I'm Amy, your host, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her older sister, Jenny, born in 1974. Today we're looking at Little House on the Prairie, Season 1, Episode 13, titled The Award. The description reads, While stunning for history exam in the barn one night, Mary accidentally knocks over a reading lamp. After putting out the fire, a furious Caroline yells at her daughter. Later, Mary takes a job at the mercantile to pay for some items damaged in the fire, then makes a decision that can further aggravate her relationship with her mother. Okay, so overall thoughts, Jenny. There's a lot about the burdens of an older sister here, so I can definitely relate to a lot of things and how the older siblings just take all the heat all the time. So I can relate to this episode. And I will say that as a kid, I remember this episode vividly, but I remember, I thought the fire was much worse. I thought the fire was because she couldn't see. And like, I feel like there's another yeah, you fire tied it she to causes. That. You tied it to her vision. I feel like there's another fire she causes from studying. Because <laughs> <laughs> Rebel Mary. ridiculous. And I would like to say if, you know, if you've been listening to our episodes, I referenced pause trips to Mankato pretty yes, early you did. on. And let me just say, in the opening, so we open with Laura's voiceover, and she reveals that Paul's going to Mankato for three weeks. And I'm like, okay, so that's why the barn burns down right there. Well, and she also talks about how it takes all of them, like, weeks to get Paul ready. What the hell? So he needs a team to prep him for a business trip? It takes me, like, 35 minutes and a bottle of wine to get ready for a business trip. He needs handlers. He has handlers. So Laura explains in her voiceover that Mr. Edwards is accompanying Pa, and I guess they're running some errands for Hanson. <laughs> I'm starting to think Hanson is like the Don. A drug runner? He's like a drug runner. Yes, he runs the town. Well, you know, when they were going to Mankato, Edwards was like, I'm all over that because there's a bar there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the entire family is helping them get ready. The girls 
the girls wave him off and everyone says, bye, Pa, except Carrie, who can't get it right and calls him Papa. Okay. The girls are walking to school and Laura's dragging behind saying that she's looking for something. Mary's annoyed and says she wants to get to school on time because she likes school. So Laura's always lallygagging and Mary is smart and has her shit together. Laura's curious about the world. So when they show up, Miss Beetle is already mid-sentence talking about a scholarship award. The award is given to a student who scores the highest on an examination. A voluntary examination. Well, and it's called a scholarship award, but last year the prize was a ribbon. Right. That's not a scholarship, people. And then this year it's a dictionary. Mary looks at that dictionary like I look at Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born. Like there is just... You could light off a rocket next to her and she wouldn't even turn her head. It is 10 seconds of a close-up on her face with that stupid stare. So first of all, I don't know if Michael Landon directed this episode. We should probably always know that ahead of time. But there was like a... Pause. And we're back. And this is a different director. It's... William Claxton. However, however, it has been written by Michael Landon. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm, Which says a lot. Says he wrote lot. himself out of it. He was just like, I need a break. <laughs> He's like, done. He's like, I'm going to show how things go to shit when Charles isn't around. <laughs> I don't know whose fault this is. Is it the director's fault? Because it's it's just so over, like, heavy-handed. It's so heavy-handed. She is staring at it for, like, 15 minutes. Or is this how Laura wrote her in the book? I doubt that Laura writes in the book. Just being a memoirist myself, I doubt she writes in the book. And Mary stares at the dictionary for an uncomfortable 10 minutes. <laughs> Maybe she wrote, Mary stares at the dictionary like I was staring at Johnny Johnson. Oh, God. It is very similar. Although there's a lot of there's a lot of room between Johnny Johnson and a dictionary. Let's I just mean, get that out. The dictionary is still much better. <laughs> okay, so Miss Beetle tells the students they'll have three weeks to study. So Mary decides she's going to take the examination, of course, because it's a voluntary standardized test that gives you nothing. I mean, three weeks feels like a super long time. I think I could like learn to fly a plane in three weeks. Caroline reminds her that there's a lot of older students because don't forget, you're going to have people, you know, who are seven taking the same <laughs> test as that returning adult last much older, like 40 years old <laughs> in that class. You're you are competing against 11 year old Mary or however old she's supposed to be is competing against 42 year olds in her class. 37 year old Johnny Johnson. <laughs> I don't think she has to worry about him taking the examination. Uh, they'll all be trying to win. And Caroline's just genuinely not very con- uh, encouraging. And Laura's not even trying. Like, Laura isn't even considering this test. I feel like Mary is failing as a big sister because Laura's not even like, maybe I should take the test. Well, not if even this trying. were you, if this were you, you would have encouraged me to take the test only so that I could fail and you could win it. And you would learn a valuable life lesson. The next scene we have is Laura doing some remedial spelling work at the table. She doesn't know how to spell bow. And Caroline tells her that if Mary wins the dictionary, she could look her own words up. And Laura, the sage, voice of wisdom, the realist, asks the the obvious question, how can I look up a word I can't spell? And this 
folks, is when Laura invents type ahead on Zerg. The next day at school, Mary asks Miss Beetle for help with pre-Revolutionary War American history. Mary, and- I can help you with this. I can help her with this. Of course okay? you can. Yeah. Thanksgiving, genocide, smallpox, lesson over. Miss <laughs> Beetle gives Mary a book that looks exactly like the dictionary. I know. It's so weird. I guess there's one publisher. Okay. There, is, there kind of is. Mm-hmm. I was and looking no that design up. team. No design team. I was looking that up, but that was too boring to make an index card. Yeah, that's pretty boring. Mary loves the book so much, she starts reading it as she's walking home. Because, of course. Laura tells Mary to stop reading. And Laura doesn't care about history because, quote, it's all about dead people, end quote. Yeah, that's that's profound. They used to be alive. Back at the house, Caroline is trying to teach Carrie to recite the alphabet. And it's a disaster. <laughs> I all totally the missed kid, this part. All the kid has to literally do is mimic the sound coming out of Caroline's <laughs> mouth. Okay, so... I want to do a little scene here. So, Jenny, you're going to be Caroline, and you're just going to teach her A through E. Okay, you're going to do one letter at a time. A, B. Hold up. Okay. And I'm going to play the role of Carrie. Great. And I'm going to give – I wrote this down verbatim and use closed captioning as a help. Can't wait. I'm going to verbatim relay to you what Carrie responded to each letter. Now, keep in mind, all she has to do is mimic the sound. Okay, wait. I'm straightening my apron. Okay. A. C. B. H. <laughs> C, Carrie, C. Look at my <laughs> lips. D. D as in the letters you're going to get in, in school. F. <laughs> yeah, F is correct. One more, go. E. L. This wow. is what happened. Wow. Mary's got her work cut out there. <laughs> So we know that Laura is now carrying this entire family on her back with her writing career. Like that's what's going to (laughs) happen. Okay. So the girls come in and they show Caroline the book and she's very impressed. Later that night, Laura's trying to sleep and Mary is reading. Laura tells her to shut off the light and get to bed. Because Mary is restless with intellectual curiosity. And Laura wants to punch a bitch because you don't fuck with my sleep. The bed is like three ridiculous. and a half. The bed is like three and a half feet wide. I know. I, like God. she couldn't go downstairs. So Mary- Laura didn't want her to wake up Ma though. So she was basically foreshadowing, like get out of the house. So in the middle of the night, Mary wakes up and wants has this burning desire to read. <laughs> I guess it's just like, <laughs> cover to cover all night. Uh, cover to cover history books she's gonna read. <laughs> so in the middle of the night, she wakes up and gets dressed. Lights the lantern and sneaks out to the barn. And then she's in the barn and she's got wool. She's got a wooden stool. She's got, she's wearing wool. She's got a wooden stool. She has burlap. She has an open flame (laughs) and hay. What could go wrong? (laughs) What goes wrong, Jenny, is Mary falls asleep and the lantern is knocked over as she, as she turns over in her sleep. And my question here is where the hell is Jack? Like, oh, where's the yeah, dog? No. The barn is burning down. That. No, instead, instead we have a watch horse. Who who's making no up. noise and is making no noise. Like, a horse can be super loud. Like, why is it making well, no, no, no sound? No. The horse does start to neigh and wakes her up. Eventually, after and the she, fire is raging. <laughs> she realizes the barn's on fire. 
Mary is definitely book smart and does not have a whole lot of common sense because she stands there for what feels like an hour with a raging fire. She just stands there and looks at it and then decides, I better run and wake up the adult. And I will say that during this scene, I was literally shaking. Like it was nerve wracking. And then Ma, fearless Ma comes running out. And did you see where they panned across Jack standing there doing nothing? I have sitting there like it's the middle of the day. Caroline runs out. They're all in their nightgowns and screams at Carolyn and uh, Mary and Laura, sorry, to get water from the creek. And she starts to wrestle the animals out. She's dragging all the animals out. And Jack is sitting there watching. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he is pretty flammable. So I have to say something. Okay. This is hard for me to admit. It's difficult. I was so wrong about Caroline. I take back every thing I have said about her. She is 10 times the woman I would be in that situation. (laughs) That bitch gets in there and she fights that fire and she, you can't, it's not easy to move a horse and a cow, especially when you have to move them through fire. You have to convince them to move through raging fire. She does all this shit in a nightgown. In a nightgown, in a raging fire. And then did you see all, why are there a bunch of like cloths with oil all over them hanging on the side of the stall? She has to rip those down because they're on on fire and she just like (laughs) rips them off. She was like, she was fearless. She is a goddamn hero. Like it was fucking crazy. And I applaud her. And I will never say anything bad about her again. I feel like episode. that's not true. This episode. Yeah, okay. All right, fair. Okay. The next scene was so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you'd have thoughts mm-hmm. on the on the freaking out on the kids. Mm-hmm. Caroline is rightly pissed off and asked Mary what happened. Mary is saying she's sorry, and Caroline says sorry is not enough. And they have one of those talks where they're just so angry, like they're they're just so angry. There's long pauses of silence. Caroline's like turning around, inhaling deeply because she just can't talk. She's so freaking pissed off at this kid. Caroline then turns around and starts screaming. And what does she do? What's the worst punishment you could give Mary? You're you not can't that take test. that voluntary examination. Laura's standing there watching this whole thing. This is her fault. And she doesn't want <laughs> no, it say, isn't. no, it isn't. Uh, no, it I told isn't. Mary, Mary, because she's like, why are you in the barn studying? And Mary never said, I didn't want to wake you guys up. I was keeping Laura awake. So I came outside. Laura never mm-hmm. says that. Mm-hmm. This is fucking Laura's fault. No, and it she isn't. takes zero. She zero has, heat. Laura bears zero responsibility. I this. disagree. I Just disagree. Because- Mary was studying in the house like a normal human. Nope, nope, nope. She should not have been studying. Go the fuck to sleep. Nothing. Laura doesn't understand like somebody who wants to deeply study things. I get it. But she says nothing. Not like nothing. Doesn't even try to defend Mary or help Mary. She just sits there and watches her burn. Like, oh. I'm gonna let this play out. Yeah. So Caroline is freaking out. And I wrote that she's doing the terrified, angry screaming. And <laughs> right, right. I want to take you back, Jenny, to two weeks ago. This is because this is how I react when I'm upset or scared. I start screaming at people. <laughs> so two, two, two or three weeks ago, my husband, Timmy, and I are walking our dog, Nellie, down the street. Yeah. And a pit bull jumps out of a moving car and runs at us to attack Nellie. Now, we live on a very rural country road. This dog jumped out of a moving car. 
The car was going maybe 15 miles an hour. It wasn't going fast. Dog jumps out. We're stunned by the dog jumping out. So we're caught off guard that the dog is actually coming at Nellie. So the dog runs to Nellie and starts to bite her. Timmy is like punching the dog. (laughs) And what am I doing? I'm screaming profanities at the dog's owner. You motherfucker. Get the fuck out of here. I'm screaming at this person like insane woman. And I'm shaking at the same time. And even when the situation was taken care of, like the the dog's owner was able to wrestle the dog off of Nelly. And thank God there was no permanent damage or injury. It just I'm you. still screaming at the guy. What the fuck are you doing here? Where the fuck do you live? I'm screaming. <laughs> oh Timmy's like, you're a maniac. You need to <laughs> calm down. So, so this was like, and I, that was your dog. Yeah, that was I your dog, not your kid. You this. Laura does say something. Actually, I forgot. Laura suddenly is so smart, and she goes, "But Ma, she she can't tell Miss Beetle tomorrow that she's going to take the test. Why not? Because it's Saturday." Thank you, Laura. That's fucking helpful to everyone in this situation. Voice of reason. Because this just proves, like, if that was Laura burning down the barn, Carolyn would have just been happy that she was reading. The next day, everybody seems a lot calmer, and Caroline asks Mary to sit down. And you could tell, like, Caroline's going to, you know, talk this out and maybe go back on her punishment. She tells her, she explains to Mary that she was just really afraid of what was going to happen. Yeah. And sure. that's why, and that's why she was so harsh. Mary is like, I wrote that she's a sadomasochist. Is that the right <laughs> word that she's like, ma'am, can I just keep doing my chores? Can I keep, can I just keep doing bad things and, you know, doing things and working and punishing myself? I just please, feel please, like please. Mary's not having this apology. Like she's just not having it. She's yeah, just well, like, Whatever, I'm on my own path now. <laughs> so she goes out to the barn and is raking up the hay. And when she does, she finds the book that Miss Beetle gave her <sighs> and it's destroyed. So the next day, for some reason, Caroline decides the, to to seek the counsel of Reverend Alden. And to be honest, this is where everything goes off the fucking rails. It is. Yeah. She says that Mary looked at her like a stranger. And she's so upset because she lost her temper with Mary. Now, Mary almost burned down the goddamn barn. And she never loses her temper with her girls. What? Mm, I don't know. He gives her horrible advice and tells her not to go back on the punishment or the girls will expect that leniency every time. Basically, he says, if you go back on your punishment with your girls, it will unravel all of society. Yeah, is basically what he says. He says, I have the quote here. Family punishment is based on promises kept punishment or reward. But then he says, then that trickles out into society or something like that. So basically, if you if you don't keep your family punishments, then every instead of looking at a situation, assessing it and making decisions in the right moment for the right solution. Nope, you got to stick with it, even if everyone hates the solution. The next day, the girls are going to school and Laura wants Mary to hurry up so they can play before the bell. But Mary doesn't like to play. She just wants to go to school. Well, Laura's feeling a little guilty here, I feel like. Nope. Yes, she is. She's she like, can't oh, bear the responsibility for other people's mistakes. She's like, nope. uh, okay, that sounds like Mm-mm. something you talked about in therapy Mm-mm. this week. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, oh, I'll get you some candy. And like Mary gives her a look like you could have paid me back by telling mom that you kicked me out of the house to study. And like, mm-hmm. this is all your fault. 
Laura, being the empath that she is, uh, realizes Mary's upset and wants to buy her some licorice to cheer her up. They go to Olson's Mercantile, and Mary spots a help wanted sign. I thought she was going to, like, she was on this rampage of, like, self-punishment. I thought she was going to quit school. <laughs> I was like, Mary, man, don't do it. I thought Nell, uh, Nellie was going to come out and troll her, which does happen later. Yeah, that happens later. Okay. So Mary asks Nels if she could apply for the job. He says, as long as your mom says it's okay, fine by me. On her way out, she asks Nels how much she's going to get paid and how much a history book is. He tells her he'll pay her 50 cents a week and the history book is a dollar. So now we know she's going to take the job to pay Miss Beetle back for the book. And I was just like, 50 cents a week. Like, so a book costs two weeks salary. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm going to cut some of the, the minutia out of the middle here and just get to the point where Mary reveals her plan to Laura. So the examination is three weeks away. So Mary figures if she starts working immediately, she'll earn enough money that she can pay Miss Beetle back and buy her a new book. So in order to keep this up, she needs to pretend she's going to take the examination because that's why she has the book. And yeah. this will all come to a head the day before the examination. She'll have enough money to buy the book. She'll tell Miss Beetle she's not taking the exam. Mm -hmm. Laura's like, I don't understand what's happening. Well, Laura doesn't understand duplicitous she nature. Out. She's she like, I don't understand out. this lying and scheming like i'm laura, just precarious and honest laura can't figure out how long a week is she's counting out the days on her fingers so that's where we're at there Shut up. mary talks to caroline about getting the job caroline's fine with it so the next scene we see mary working and nelly comes into the store so yeah nelly's i have i have a note nelly is creepy as fuck like, she just creeps up to her and stares at her. What is that about? And Jenny and I have not done a Nellie-centric episode yet, and I forgot how Nellie was just so privileged and just okay with that. And just and she's like the original troll. Like, wow. OG. Wow. It was really crazy. So Nellie comes in and tells Mary she needs to dress nicer if she's going to work at Olson's. During this little... Uh, Back and forth, Miss Beetle walks in. She's buying a pound of sugar. Nellie starts bragging to Miss Beetle in front of Mary that the Olsons have all of the reference books in the store and that any student can have them if they just have the money to buy them. And I wrote, she's clearly not aware of her privilege. She's clearly not aware. And I also feel like Miss Beetle was ready to say, well, you need all the help you can get. So Miss Beetle was ready to say, fuck off. So Miss Beetle starts to then uncomfortably grill Mary, who let's let me remind you is balancing several different lies at this point. <laughs> so she's grilling Mary about when she's finding the time to study and how she's studying, and you know is she ready for the exam? And Mary, you know, just can't even look at her and is like shoveling the sugar around. And Miss Beetle attempts to run out of the store without paying for the sugar. Yeah, she almost shoplifted. And but then uh, Hall Mary Patrol monitor Mary stops her. And makes but her Mary. Hard. I thought this part was great because Mary says, oh, well, I'm here because I can read all the books in my downtime at my job. And like she she's so smart and brilliant that she spawned like the solutions just fly out of her. She spontaneously solved her problem right there. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll just read the books while I'm here. Yeah, she's just um. a liar. So <laughs> I wrote that Mary makes an important life decision here. She decides she's going to read the books in the store and defy Caroline and take the examination. 
Because before she was only pretending she was going to take the examination, but now she's committing. Right. I'm going to take it. Okay. Caroline cannot keep this kid from studying. No, not at all. Later that night, Caroline is pissed as Nels arrives with Mary. He's bringing her home late. They lost track of time. She's coming home. Nels tells Caroline Mary was reading and that's why she was late. And you could see the wheels starting to turn Mm -hmm. in Caroline's brain. Like, why is she at the store reading? She's up to something. Later that night, Mary's studying by the moonlight of the window. God, she is a freaking nerd. Okay, so first of all, Laura is so fragile that she can't turn on a light. And here's my theory. This is why Mary goes blind. You cannot read by moonlight. <laughs> Laura is so the much. reason that Mary goes blind. No, no, no. Yes. Mary has to take some self-responsibility here. She's and just trying to read. read when it's daylight out like the rest of us. I mean, it's what if it's winter and it's only daylight for like two hours? So Laura wakes up because she can't sleep, which I can't even tell you how many studies have been linked to good sleep being good for your health. So Mary is endangering Laura at this point. So they have a back and forth about the exam and Caroline or Mary basically says, I'm going to win. And that way Ma will forgive me for lying. And Laura says, again, the only one with two feet in reality here, Laura says, but what if you don't win? And Mary's like, that's not an option. She's not accepting it. Mm-mm. She's not going to not win. Like, Laura just has to understand, like, drive and motivation. Whatever. And Mary's like, this is a this is a huge gamble. <laughs> like, she's she's going wild. She's jumping all in and, and taking a test behind her parents' back. I can't even defend. I cannot even defend her anymore. Like, this is so nerdy. Let me remind our listeners, an optional test. I know it's an optional test, and that's why I can't defend Mary's nerdiness anymore. Like, she's just <laughs> such a nerd. Like, oh, my God. But again, this is probably how Laura wrote it. So. We see a bunch of scenes where Mary's working her ass off, and it is very reminiscent of Pa. <laughs> it's the Mary's overworked montage. Friends, where he works like 85 <laughs> hours and then falls out of a tree. She's learned nothing from that experience. The day comes when Mary finally earns enough to buy the book. $1.50. She has three weeks work. Since the exam is tomorrow, Mary no longer has to work and Nellie can take her job back. So that's another key plot point here. The job was only temporary to begin with. She was a temp. It was Nellie's job. But Nellie had to take off to study for the examination. Because she had a... I mean, she had her work cut out for her. She did. Mary gives Miss Beetle the book back. And she looks like she wants to tell her the truth, but she doesn't. So later that night, Caroline finds 50 cents on the table and works it out in her head that, in Caroline's opinion, Mary has only worked three weeks for only 50 cents. So she's worked three weeks for 50 cents. When in reality, we know she had a dollar fifty, but spent the dollar on the book. But she can't tell Caroline because she's balancing all these locks. And Caroline's all labor union. She b- is, man. She's, she's becoming my hero. So I have an index card. Oh, I knew you were waiting I, for oh, it. I'm, I'm so close to the end. Uh-huh. Oh, so God. I was curious: Is Mary being paid unfairly? Unfortunately, she has no protection as a worker at this time because this would have been around 1875 or 76. The minimum wage was introduced in the U.S. in 1938 as part of the Fair Labor Standard Act passed by President Roosevelt. And has this not act, gone up much. This act has called for the first national minimum wage 
of 25 cents an hour. Adjust that for inflation. Guess what that's equal to today? You're never going to know. It's it's probably high. $10 an hour. $4.45 an hour. Oh, that's it. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Why, also, do you, why do you purposely make me do math on this pod? I'd love to. Also, as part of the Fair Labor Standard Act, uh, child labor laws are enacted. So no say, not to mention she's <laughs> like 14. So no child under 14 can be employed at all. 14 to 16-year-olds could be employed with limited hours, and 16 to 17-year-olds can be employed unlimited hours but in non-hazardous professions. Mary would have been under 14 at this point, just slightly probably. So Nels is breaking the law, but the law didn't exist yet, so Mary screwed. Okay, I will say that when we sold our house, I um, used to live in my grandmother's house when Timmy and I first got married. When we sold our house and we were cleaning it out, I found a box with Graham's old pay stubs in it. And it was probably from about 1956, 57, like around there, like when mom and dad were born. Um, And she was making $5 a week. Wow. A week? A week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's that. Okay. Um, I wrote the next day, Caroline is headed over to Olson's mercantile, like the social justice warrior she is. She's like heading out there. And I'm like, she's going to confront Nels. And I, I really just love her in this episode. She doesn't go after Nels, but she perfectly seizes her opportunity. (laughs) So Nels says something about what a great employee Mary was. And Caroline says, Oh, I bet you loved having her for that rate. And so they work out the confusion and Nels completely rats her out. Not only does he say, you know, I paid her 50 cents a week. What are you talking about? But he's like, she's been reading all those history books. So Caroline has immediately worked this out in her head. Okay. So Caroline leaves Olson's mercantile and storms over to the school. And you think she's going to go in there. And like oh. confront Mary because she sees like a sulking Laura on the Laura stairs. Is, Laura is sulking on the stairs. Why? Why? I think she's like, holy shit, this is all going to come to a head. I can relate to this. Like I can remember when you were being wild and crazy at times. <laughs> I knew this was going to come up. Like I would just sit back and be like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> like what Laura- stupid thing is she going to do next? I Laura is traumatized it. by this drama. Yeah. So uh, Caroline goes into the schoolroom, but she sees Mary taking the exam and just walks out. And she's probably doing that like I'm going to beat her when she I mean, could you imagine, like, our parents would have killed for this problem. Like, they walk in on us taking a voluntary test. (laughs) What the fuck, Carolyn? You you have a good daughter. Like, calm the fuck down. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so back in the classroom, Miss Beetle's calling everyone back. So what Miss Beetle did is the kids who weren't taking the test, the non-nerds, Got to go outside and play at recess like normal children. The nerds stayed inside. (laughs) Notice on inside, we did not see Johnny Johnson, by the way. Well, Um, I don't even know where he is. I haven't even seen him. But also, how fast? Like, it was an hour. They took the test and she graded all the papers. Okay, I have. That's what I was just going to talk about. You have thoughts on this, being a teacher. So Miss Beetle called everyone back in and said she's already graded the test. No way. No way. (laughs) No way. Nope. Nope, nope, fake, 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 fake. 
Um, I cannot, it takes me 20 minutes to grade one paper. No, there's no way. Maybe Miss Beadle is like a star like Mary though. Or maybe some of them were so bad. Like, you know, I, I can read student papers and I know by the first paragraph. (laughs) Okay. The winner is Arnold Lumstrom. Who looks 42. And Mary starts to cry. I wrote, he looks at least 10 years older than Mary, which would make him like 24. (laughs) He could be her grandfather. (laughs) Mary starts crying and gets up and runs out. And I wrote, I guess we're allowed to just leave school now when we're upset. If that's the case, I would have been absent every day. You would have been because you cried every day about something. I don't know if you cried in school, but you cried when you came home at night about everything. Every day. I, I have no defense. I cried every single night for probably about three years. <laughs> I don't know how mom handled it. Like mom it was the routine. Just throw me away. The routine was we, we, we went to bed. Then 15 minutes later, I came out and I said, dad, mom, Amy's crying. Because, <laughs> of course, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> Why, Jenny? Because sleep's important, right? And it's annoying when someone's preventing your sleep. Sleep. Sleep is important, but so is studying, as it turns out. Miss Beetle takes Laura home. So Miss Beetle asks Laura to stay, and she takes her home. And when she takes her home, Caroline comes out to greet them. And Miss Beetle hands Ma Mary's test. And it turns out that Mary never took the test, but instead wrote a full confession. Wrote, wrote an essay. <laughs> wrote an essay about what she did. She wrote an essay about how sorry she is. No one knows where Mary is, so Ma goes to find her and, of course, just finds her by some random tree. How did she find her? I Like, how, how long was she looking? Like, days? Did days go by? Because I feel like it could have. She was, like, next to a tree, slumped down. Cue the music, and they run to each other and embrace. This is when I saw the text from you, and I'm like, I would shut this off right now if it wasn't the end. Because it was just so overly dramatic, I couldn't stand it anymore. And I it, literally, I was having a visceral reaction to the level of drama. And I forgot to mention, we didn't mention this, but there's some just weird lines throughout the episode where random people tell Caroline they saw a paw and Mr. Edwards. Yeah, what's that about? By the side of the road and they said to say hi. What is that? That was so random. And it, it was kept random. Happening. I think it's Charles' way of, you know. I'm always here. Forget, Michael Landon wrote it. So he's probably like, you know, let's stick this in so that we don't have an asshole. Right. Okay. So that's the end of the episode. They end up, you know, forgiving each other and talking it out. And and I have to say, Caroline, hero of the episode. So at the end of each episode, Jenny and I will try to connect a theme or an idea from the episode to a larger uh, role that this has played in our lives. We call it our why. So Jenny, what is your why? So my why is this is why I pushed our parents as close to the edge of sanity as I could, because Mary taught me that as the eldest child, it was my duty to see how far you can push your parents. Wow. So this this is why I did things like instead of taking a random test, though, voluntarily, I did things like run away to Philly with my boyfriend who was in a Metallica cover band. (laughs) And Amy narked. Jenny, uh, I did nark. I totally narked you out. Just like Laura. Jenny, mom and dad both listen to this podcast. Do you want to take a minute to address them directly and maybe apologize? 
Um, I feel like I made them really good parents for you. (laughs) No, honestly, like Carrie, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth and mimic them. I'm sorry. No, so I am sorry. (laughs) L, I am sorry. Like I really went above and beyond in my teenage years. I have to say, but then, like, then I was fine. I got out of my system, and I I think I became like a a stellar daughter after that. But there was a couple of years there that were brutal for them. Like, like when mom came to pick me up at my friend's house in your car. (laughs) <laughs> and I go out and she's ripping your entire car apart on the And street. I could see her. I could see her from the window and I was flipping no, out. No, 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 no. This you maybe you saw her take the car, but when she arrived at my friend's house, she's out on the street ripping your car apart and I go out and I'm like, "What's <laughs> going on?" And she's like, "Jenny has a marijuana pipe in her car." <laughs> okay, so that happened more than once because I saw I saw her doing it, and I did yeah. the Laura where I was kind of like, "Oh, how's this gonna play out? What does this mean for me?" I'm immediately strategizing. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I was the pioneer, but like I feel like you did all right. Oh, I did, okay. me. I did, but I, uh, yeah. So I do apologize to them for making their life a living hell for many years. Okay. My why is, this is why I'm terrified. I am terrified of fire. Terrified. And we see the greater implications of this small fire. Like, I'm to the point where my kids begged me for LED lights around their walls. I did not want to put it in because I'm afraid it's a fire hazard. Like, what if the light bulb gets hot and brushes up against the wall and sets our house on fire? Okay, so I think I know where this comes from a little bit. And I think you do too. A very traumatic silk factory fire that happened yes. when we were little kids? It didn't happen. Well, well, there's a couple. There's a couple. So we were still living in that apartment before we bought our house. So I was maybe five. Yeah. I was and eight. I just remember, I don't remember it clearly, but I just remember dad waking us up. I remember looking out the windows. We lived next to an old silk factory and it was on fire and it was like raging and they evacuated our building, right? So you saw all the glo- all our windows were glowing red because the fu- the thing was on fire. And then I remember Dad running out to our porch, which wasn't that far away, like our back porch. Um, and he was hitting it with wet towels because oh, oh. it was smoking. The wood was starting to smoke. Mm-hmm. And then I think I don't know if we ever got evacuated. We might have. Well, I remember the fire trucks were in our yard. Yep. Oh, yeah. They were right in the yard. They broke down the fence, remember? And pulled yes. right in the yard. Yep. It was crazy. So yeah, I that think that, cool. in association with this and <laughs> the blind school fire, like, I just became, ter- I'm still terrified of fire as an adult. I mean, to be fair, who's not terrified of fire? I, I don't know an adult who's like, yeah, like, let's have a fire at our house. No, that's fair. But I feel like I'm irrationally afraid of well. it. You're like, afraid I, of most things. I oh, here we go. <laughs> um, I I think that my fear of fire comes from my lack of scientific knowledge as well. Because you think it's just gonna like like you don't understand combustion. Correct. All right, everyone. So that's our episode. Uh, Jenny, what are we doing next? Oh crap! I didn't look. Hold on. Uh, oh, we're doing um, the Lord is my shepherd, the Charles Jr. episode. Yep. So we go from, I almost said the levity of a barn fire. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing funny about a barn fire. Nothing funny about a barn fire. So we go from 
a fire into some sad, sad child stuff. And this is one of those episodes, if you know Little House at all, where they go to the mountain. They go to the mountain. To get closer to God. Why? I we'll find out. I forget. Okay. All right. So thanks everyone and we'll see you next week. Hi everyone, Amy here. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing. You can find Gen X This Is Why on all podcast apps. And if you really, really like what you're hearing, please consider leaving a five star review. Those reviews help new listeners to find us. And if you can, help spread the word. Jenny needs all the help she can paying those therapy bills. I mean, index cards. Eh, whatever. And you can find us and interact with us on Instagram. Our handle is GenXThisIsWhy. Letter X, spell out the Y. Hope to see you there. to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.